how do you define zero trust? Well, zero trust is basically the baseline of when you basically want to connect a, you know, a device or a user or an application to your resources. And zero trust is basically, I, I don't like the term zero trust because it's a very negative term. Mm-hmm. It's a very non-business productive term. It's something that just says, you know, we don't trust you. And every yeah. time we see you again, we still don't trust you. Yeah. So um, for me, uh, zero trust is a baseline approach. It's the introduction of new services, machines, applications to your network. And ultimately, you know, it, I prefer to be calling it, uh, let's say, adaptive trust or building trust or digital trust. Something that really more effective into what you're trying to achieve because zero trust is not a goal. <laughs> zero trust is a mechanism of verifying devices and identities as they're connecting to your network. Mm. So I look at it as, is what, are you, what are you really trying to, to achieve? And it's really a digital trust that has a risk-based framework, meaning that you establish trust the first time that a device connects to your network. You'd say, have I seen this before? Is this something that I'm expecting? Mm. Is this something that another, another device can verify that I right. should actually, just like you do in society, yeah. when you meet someone and you meet them for the first time, you, you sometimes you find out, do you have a mutual person that can verify who this person is? Uh, do you have a, a mutual friend? Um, and do you have a way, you know, okay, well, if I don't have a mutual friend, I want to see your, uh, you know, verified valid identity and you'll show them an ID. Um, so are, are, they'll say, well, can you provide me sources of trust? that can verify, maybe we don't have a mutual identity, but maybe we have a mutual, um, let's say, trust guardian that can say that, yes, this, this person is who they say they are. So, so ultimately, my definition of zero trust is a very technical term, and it's not a good term for business. And we need to kind of switch it around to what is it trying to achieve with the business? Because mm. it's, not something, it's not something you want to say to your employees, we're rolling out a zero trust strategy. So mm. <laughs> That's right. You don't trust me anymore. I'm not allowed to come to the office. Every time I come, I have to re-verify you know, that you right. should be there. That's it. Because I think the term that I quite often use is like identity does not equal, like it, it does not equal trust just because, you know, they've logged on with credentials that you know, mm-hmm. and it, it, it doesn't mean that it is them. <laughs> and, and I don't think we can make that assumption just because they successfully authenticated in that, that we should allow them access to everything just that. And that is the method in which we trust them. And I think that's quite a common mistake is uh, I think that w- that's not the right mechanism. Correct. What you're doing is, you know, when we're talking about traditional authentication, authentication mm. is really saying that that person knows the username and they know the password. Um, and the password yeah. should be a well-kept secret. But sure. as we know, it's the not. way that people use them, it's not. It's mm. something that they use frequently. They're putting into browsers. They're even copying it to their clipboard and sharing it between devices. And as we know right. from recent uh, revelations from the LinkedIn uh, that, uh, you know, the, the uh, applications and mobile devices and iOS actually had universal access to that uh, handing over of clipboard data. So if you copy the password yeah. to clipboard, who knows who has that? Um, so it really gets into is that, you know, passwords are not well-kept secrets. So it means that we had to really look at, you know, the authentication mechanisms yeah. to what mechanisms of authentication can really verify that that person really is who they are. 
That's it. And I think one of the things that we quite often think is is a good verifier of that is behavior. Like, I mean, it's if if we can if there's deviations of behavior, that's a better mechanism for determining whether we trust them or not. If you know, is their behavior responsible? That's a mechanism for determining whether we should trust them or not. So it's almost like a zero tolerance policy to anyone that's on my network. If they do things that they shouldn't be doing, if they do things they don't normally do, we should start determining. Well, actually, should they be allowed on? Should we give them the same privileges that they've currently got well well i look at it from so the when i started getting more involved in zero trust and it was actually um going back probably 10 years when it was first established from mm. forrester mm. um before that uh i worked on things like uh snack or network access controls and that was okay. where zero yeah. trust was the original that's where it originally came from was network segmentation i remember that, that all of a sudden yeah. yeah, that's exactly. So what happened was a device would have a scan and all of a sudden you'd find a virus on it. And then we said, whoa, we don't want this on the network. So we'll move it over to this quarantine section. Right. Um, and it will stay in the quarantine section until you could verify that that virus is no longer on that device and that it was allowed back again. That was the original kind of origin origins of that network segmentation. And then, of course, we got into moving into BYOD. And, of course, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't install uh, management software on those devices, of course, because of privacy and ownership and accountability. And there was a numerous cases. I remember one case in Canada where a company had basically uh, wiped a person's personal device because they had enrolled it into a, a mm. mobile device management. And of course, on that device was, you know, children's birthday pictures, um, there was sense of data that they had that has now been lost. There was, you know, family memories and history that mm. was actually on that device. So, and the company de deleted those and it ended up getting into major court cases and legal ramifications. So it really gets into when we talked about BYOD, cloud connectivity, um, risks that we really need a good way of making sure of where those boundaries are. Um, and this is really why we move to this term zero trust is that, well, since you know, we have this mixture of new devices and also the introduction of third parties and MSPs, mm. how can we verify? And this get into, you know, I, I like behavior as an aspect, but it means is that you have to learn it. Mm -hmm. You have to, uh, it's you know, part of machine learning. It's part of the human behavior learning. It's part of capturing that data. So what I like to do is that it's during the enrollment phase, mm. the enrollment um, of employees, applications, devices is so critical. Is that it's so important that during that enrollment phase, you want to actually understand what your classification of trust is. Right, right. And when I worked in data centers, I actually look at the reverse. I looked at data centers from basically its availability perspective, its data center classification, what's mm. its uh, SLAs, what's you know what's its uptime. Um, what, what's its fault res, uh, tolerance? What's its resiliency? So I used to look at data centers and what I did was I took my methodology for data centers and traditionally also backup and recovery process. Because of course, when you're looking at backing up data, you want to back up the most sensitive data first. You want to back up you know, other data, personal data. So you had that backup. So I took data center uh, process and classification, backup and recovery process and classification and reverse that into actually fitting into what I refer to as an access trust mechanism, meaning that, well, what's the things I need to know um, and can I separate it into different classifications? And that's where we get into what we tend to refer to as authorization or mm, the identity mm. and access management or the privilege access management. It's about, yes, I want to, authentication is verifying the resource, referring, referring the identity. 
and authorizations for verifying the access level that they have to the target resources or the artifacts or whatever mm-hmm, it may be. Mm-hmm. And you have to balance those and you have to determine it from a risk assessment. So for example, um, a great way of, of explaining that is here in Estonia is that you've got um, a c- completely rolled out government uh, digital identity that all citizens use. And you can use it in various different mechanisms. So, uh, for example, you've got the government portal where I can log in and see things about my health insurance, my uh, you know, population registry, my voting history, my tax details. Uh, and to log into that, you actually have to go through basically your identity verification, which is basically through a PKI certificate. And also you have numerous pins. Pin uh, one is for authentication and pin two is for authorization. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that mm. different levels of of uh, of kind of verification. It's very mature. Now, if I log into the bank, because the bank goes through a higher level of authorization checks, mm-hmm. I can actually laterally move from the bank to the tax authority, <laughs> and I don't need necessarily need to go through the reverification processes because those are at the same level of trust classification or say, risk classification. But if I go in through, let's say the transportation agency, um, the, the roads authority, then I might not be at the right level. They may have only checked um, so much of the verification. And then therefore, if I want to jump from the MTA to the, let's say the bank or to uh, the tax, then I have to level up. I have to provide more security controls and more acceptance levels. So that's what we really need to do is understand that level of risk that you're accepting. So as a person comes in and let's say they provide a username and password, then they come in at a certain level of authorization. Mm. And the next level is that say, okay, now they want to access financial details or employment records. Mm. Well, actually, to be honest, a username and password is not a satisfactory security control no. to, meet, to meet that request. Agreed. So therefore, they have to level up. And you might turn around and say, well, actually, I want you to really provide a better uh, let's say I, biometrics, for example. I don't username is not a good uh, you know, first name, last name, whatever random characters that's easily searchable and findable and, and uh, even guessable, um, that a biometric is a better alternative to username. It doesn't mm-hmm. replace passwords, it replaces usernames. So a biometric, you might say is that, well, if you want to access this record, I really need to verify that it's you. So therefore, I'll make a push request for you to do a biometric author- you know, authentication mm-hmm. authorization. And that brings up to the next level. Then what happens is, so that's an access level. You've actually improved the security controls and identification of the identifiers of that person. Now you want to make sure that, you know, okay, that person might say, I want to access all records. I want to, um, let's say, go and make a change to somebody's medical record. And what I would say is now change is another step up, modifications, configurations. You need to satisfy more security controls. So you might turn around and say, well, I need to have multi-factor authentication, which means is that not just biometrics, but you have to insert a pin. Um, Or that I need your peer, you're coming from, let's say, I'm in a different country that I'm actually doing that request. And I know I need my peer to authorize that request. So it goes off to one of my colleagues and they say, yep, Joe's coming in from this location. Um, I can verify from his calendar that he's in that location and therefore I'll approve that access workflow request. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it really comes down to looking at this from a risk approach and making mm-hmm. sure you map the actual authentication levels of risk and you also map the authorization levels of risk 
and then you associate to that to your different levels of application um, yeah. or data data classification sure. um, that's acceptable. You know, it could be accessing to all data, accessing to a limited set of data, or actually the ability to make change to the data. 